All right. All right. I'm going to read you guys my poem. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I did not write this, but it really touched me for this uh, movie. So here we go. Catch me if you can. Fuck the law with my dick in my hand. We're coming strong. Generation triple X. We're all about the weed smoke and kinky sex. So save me. I'm not fucking around. Stop fucking with me. And the children are born. You're feeling through me. We are the children of the corn. Pretty good. Fantastic. All right. That's just that, that was all. Just wow. Tears. Prophetic. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. <laughs> I'm glad that we have that explicit tag. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Horrible Friends. Uh, thanks for coming by. Uh, this is a show about uh, horrible movies. And the general feel for things here is that we are going to talk about the plot of a movie. We're going to talk about the cinematics, sound and music score, special effects, and the spoopiness. Uh, my name is Kyle. My name is Mike. My name is Dan. I'm Eric. And I'm Chris. And today we have a we have a, we got a pretty good one for you guys. Um, I think I will hand this one over to Dan to begin. Ah, uh, and I will pass the torch over to Jarvis, who's going to be doing our plot summary for this week. Jarvis, what you got? Well, well thank you, Dan. Um, so for us to get into this film, I'm going to have to first transport us back in time. A simpler time, a better time, a time when you could sit back and watch your corn pop up in rows and then brutally murder your parents and bury them in it. Um, I'm talking, of course, about 1984 horror classic, the Stephen King classic, Children of the Corn. It is important that we say that it is the 1984 because this film has been uh, they've had sequels. They've done reimaginings. Um, they've done redos. So this is the original that we will be reviewing today. And I am just going to start in on the summary. So the film opens in Gatlinburg, Nebraska, three years earlier. And we can clearly see a plot thickening as the town is going about its day to day. A typical Sunday, uh, people are leaving church. They go to a diner and you start to see the kids kind of looking at each other. Um, there, there's clearly some there's something going on. Uh, we see some kids that are weirder than others. Um, and. You know, uh, as as we go on, uh, we, we kind of see some direct signals and it leads into a super brutal death scene. And I'm, I got to say, well executed from a military standpoint. Very timely. Um, what you guys think of that one? <laughs> I, I would have died immediately from that coffee. <laughs> like by choice, I would have drank the coffee, been like, ah, fuck it. It's it's 8 a.m. I need this. Yep. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you, you said uh, the plot was thickening, kind of like that strawberry milkshake. Am I right? That thing looks so yeah. good. Oh, Bro, yes. he took that straw out. And he just started chugging it. Oh, that kid was, he was my hero. I would definitely drink the coffee before I would get my hand shoved in a deli slicer. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that was, I, I'll say pretty good. Uh, over those, those were some good, um, those some good stabbings. That was, that was a good one. Yeah, that. That hand part was the one moment in the movie where I 
verbally was like talking out loud like no 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 uh-huh. like that was the one part where i was like <laughs> oh please don't do that i <laughs> see i thought either one method of killing or the other would suffice but i didn't think they needed to be both poisoned and stabbed at the same time it was a little bit of an overkill see nebraskans are a little bit sturdier than most people so you got to make sure I thought you were going to say they're a little bit slower than most people. So you got to just make sure that you get them. Uh, Yeah. Sorry, Nebraskans. Yeah. At the risk of ruining our viewership in Nebraska. um, (laughs) uh, But yeah, super brutal testing. If you haven't watched the film in a while, kind of, uh, I I didn't remember it. Uh, I didn't remember kind of how just immediate it was, you know, it seemed like, you know, we, we really jump right in. Um, but it, so from there, uh, we go into kind of the visual storytelling um, from one of the children's standpoints, um, because as the killings are happening, uh, we notice a little girl who is sick in bed and she is drawing um, kind of the the scene that's happening, um, which, you know, they kind of bring up later. Um, but from those drawings, we piece together uh, sort of what happened in those three years uh, to the town um, and. From there, uh, it opens to uh, the hotel room where we see our heroes. Um, and I'm I'm just going to start. Did anyone else vi- verbally say, is that fucking Sarah Connor? Yes. Yeah. I, like I mean, you said, it's been a while. And I was like, oh, shit. Uh, this movie actually came out the year before the original Terminator. So and it shows you how much different her role is mm-hmm. across those two movies. This movie, she was kind of like a victim and she was getting preyed upon. And in Terminator, she was the legit badass. Actually, I'm sorry, not not to call you out. Actually, it came out the same year as oh. Terminator. Oh, well, uh, my point still stands. <laughs> yes, it, it does. Um, no, it totally does. I she going forward like in a second with with you uh jarvis uh, she killed those lines she was fantastic the whole like car ride scene fantastic uh I, but oh yeah my, my one note I, on this is like who keeps a birthday blower like in their nightstand like the little party blow things oh the kazoo looking yeah, thing whatever yeah the little burr. I, I was surprised to see that <laughs> you don't have one of those in your wardrobe i guess not uh mm. I want to praise this movie for, and genuinely, like I'm not saying this facetiously, I want to praise this movie for um, that scene specifically when he wakes up. Um, I felt like her giving him that lighter and her doing the singing, it it seemed like a very uh, novel thing to do for someone's birthday, right? You gave them a gift. um, You're just like being goofy singing. It's your partner. Uh, but what's really happening is we are getting character development right there, because if you look on the lighter, it says MD. So we get his background that he's a doctor. Um, and then through her singing, we get that he's a new newly graduate. So just right. through like the action they're showing, they're not telling us. Mm-hmm. And I felt that that was very well done. I thought it was very clever the way that they did that. And I thought it was um, I thought it was good storytelling. Uh, so I really like that part of it for sure. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. So from there, um, now that now that we've kind of discussed the background and the storytelling from that standpoint, so to clarify those characters, that's uh, Doctor Burt and Vicky. Okay, we're probably just going to continue calling her Sarah Connor. So if you hear Vicky or Sarah Connor, 
those those names are interchangeable in in the case of this podcast. Um, but yeah, so they are taking a road trip to celebrate um, his med school graduation, as well as getting to his new um, internship at the hospital that he'll be working at. And in order to do that, they're driving their their Buick LeSabre through the Nebraska the Nebraska roads. I had to look up that car. That was a sweet car, man. Yeah, uh, they they definitely had a Stephen King novel on the dashboard. Oh, I did not. know. What was the novel? I, I have no idea, but I'm pretty sure it was a Stephen King novel. I guess I shouldn't say definitely. It looked like it was a Stephen King novel. Was it his greatest novel he's ever written by the name of Maximum Overdrive? <laughs> we can only hope. As So as they're driving, you know, we, we kind of see uh, a, another storyline sort of unfold. And we see three children kind of grouping together. And we recognize these children because uh, one, one was uh, the young boy in the diner who watched his father uh, get killed. And he was clearly not part of the plan. Right. And that's Joseph and his, Sarah, his sister, Sarah, uh, was the, the sick girl in bed who clearly has the, the gift of foresight. And they're I'm sorry, the, the boy's name is Job. And uh, they're meeting with Joseph, who is a slightly older boy, and they're planning their escape. Um, so uh, as as they're driving down the road, um, Joseph is making his way through the cornfields, trying to escape. And we see a lot of back and forth, a lot of running through the cornfields. And then there's clearly uh, the element of he's being followed. He's being tracked and hunted. Um, and that's kind of where we we get more of a sense of Malachi. Um, anyone want to anyone want to comment some thoughts on well, Malachi? Well, I love I'll, this kid. I do want to go back <laughs> to Job for a second because he is the absolute worst lookout you want when you're trying to make an escape. <laughs> because Joseph starts to sneak out into the corner, sneaky, and Job's like, "No, he's looking." Like, well, you know what? If nobody was looking, they for sure are now, and that's proven when Joseph gets killed by Malachi. <laughs> Almost immediately. First thing I said, I was like, wow, can you scream any louder that nobody's looking? I I personally I I couldn't focus on what was happening because the the, the background music was so great. I, I don't know who decided <laughs> to, to sing Dorius a bunch of time. Dorius. Dorius. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I was I was a fan of the music overall in this yeah, because yeah, yeah. it did build the tension. Yeah, that's fair. Well let's go back to uh our oh, boy Malachi. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I can't believe they did that to our boy. Like our our boy, uh, the kid who had uh, 14 seconds in the scene. <laughs> it's my boy. <laughs> Malachi has the biggest mouth. I was gonna I was gonna say the same thing. It took me a little while to just f- like figure out what is so off putting about this character, and then it's like, well, it, number one, his mouth is too big for his head. And his teeth are too big for his mouth. So he's he's all teeth and hair. <laughs> and and my, my other thing I want to say about Malachi is he is the worst fighter I've ever seen. Like the worst fighter. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it later when Jarvis gets there in the plot. But like, oh my gosh, this kid cannot fight. Yeah. Did anybody else get the vibe that he just sounded constipated every time he tried to talk like he was forcing his <laughs> words out there was one in the beginning of the movie where he was talking to uh job and sarah in the house that they were hiding out in playing board games and listening to music he starts to go off 
you can't do that because it's forbidden. <laughs> yeah. And somebody should have really gotten them uh, some X lax on that one. Loosen them up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, loosen up. The corn provides. The corn provides. <laughs> now, that's what happens when you eat too much corn. You just get backed up. That's yeah, fair. corn, not a laxative. Definitely not a laxative. <laughs> no. Um, I will be refer- referring to all uh, corn references as Kern. Uh, furthermore, um, and, and, and has anyone noticed that like Stephen King is absolutely terrified of Kern? Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's he's terrified of Kern, and he's I think he's terrified of kids because he murders them in both films that we watched, and pretty hardcore. Yeah, he he hits the kid at like the car is going like sixty miles an hour and slams into the kid. <laughs> I will say he didn't write the screenplay for this one. Okay. He he proposed a screenplay, but they but they went with uh, someone else's screenplay. Don't don't defend him. It's fine. And he can know it. <laughs> I mean, he he definitely does hate kids because he wrote <laughs> that that kid got murdered. I'm sure in the short story. But mm-hmm. so as they're driving down the road, um, they're kind of turning on the radio intermittently, and they're they're looking for something to listen to, and all that they hear is kind of like that that angry uh you know preach gospel uh that you that you hear in kind of more rural areas of the u.s um talking about um how there's no room for for homosexuals and there's no room for you know adulterers and uh and we get a little quip from sarah connor there about there's no room for commitment so clearly vicky is trying to get wiped up in this and the doctor's moving a little slow would you say Mm -hmm. yeah it happened back at the hotel too. She yep, was, happened at the hotel too. Yeah, she, yep. she was like, "Oh, and the ring," and he was like, "Come on." <laughs> yeah, I I had a commitment counter because I was like, "All right, two times in ten minutes. All right, how many times are we gonna get this?" <laughs> she was looking to get wifed up, and he was not interested at all because now he's a doctor; he could trade up. Oh jeez! Oh, not not that you can trade up from. Sarah Connor. I, 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 I was about to say. Cancel Mike. Mike, you better, <laughs> you better watch what you say. That's Sarah Connor. <laughs> yeah, we, we have no idea if Skynet has any has any, you know, game in the uh, uh, in the corn market. So, uh, you know, for, for the sake of uh, in the current market. Yes. So so moving on so we don't get murdered by Skynet. Um, and so as this is going on, we kind of reach our turning point which is when Joseph walks out in the middle of the road um, and they're not paying attention because they're having this, this discussion and whack. Um, now Joseph was already clearly dying um, from the slit throat compliments of Malachi. Um, but he gets hit with the car and they, they stop the car. They kind of panic and they go to assess Joseph. So at this point uh, we see that they're clearly being watched by Malachi um, this this to me definitely seemed kind of like where where the movie really started, you know, where the the tension really really raised. Yeah, I I uh, <laughs> one of my favorite parts in the whole movie happened at this part, and that's when um, that's when they hit the kid, and then immediately, I mean, the car slids skids for like fifty feet, so they never would have avoided the kid. Uh, but that's besides the point. Uh, as soon as I hit the kid, she hits her head on the dash, I guess. And he immediately grabs her head and is like, I'm a doctor. Let me check. 
In case you so, didn't get it earlier, yeah, I'm a doctor. This I, that is literally one of my notes. This guy's a doctor, and don't you forget it, because he made sure we knew it. I, I he also brings out that knowledge uh, a few minutes later uh, after they've um, after he walks out into the field. Um, uh, did you want to go into the detail with that one, Jarvis? Which one? I'm sorry. Uh, when they go out into the field, or when he goes searching around the car, I'm not sure if you hit that yet. Uh, no, go for it, man. Uh, I was just gonna say he goes out into the field to check out. Um, who knows? And then he finds the the briefcase that that Joseph was was carrying around. But he comes back and he's like, "It it must have just happened because blood coagulates in four minutes, and this was still pretty wet." <laughs> it's like, oh, right. thanks. That's good info. <laughs> Appreciate it. You don't spend you don't spend three years in medical school to not know how quick it takes blood to coagulate. Mm -hmm. And now I can tell people blood coagulates in four minutes. I know that I'm a doctor. (laughs) We're we're all (laughs) All you need to know. So I need to ask anything else. If you're listening to this, you are also a doctor now. So there you go. The kid's dead. I'm a doctor. I know. So Joseph is hit by the car. Um, they discover his briefcase. They they know it was recent. Um, Malachi kind of inspects uh, Vicky laying in the car, uh, unbeknownst to her. We see her kind of have a dream uh, that Joseph wakes back up and reaches out to her. Um, but speeding this up, they they pick Joseph up. They they put him in a blanket. They put him in the car, and now they're looking to report this to the authorities. Um, so now they're heading into town. They're heading into Gatlin. And this is where we meet the mechanic. Who would like to speak about the mechanic? I was going to go back a little bit. At first, they were trying to go to the other town. I forget the name of it. It was about 20 or so miles away. And every time they make a turn, they're back on a road that says, oh, Gatlin, two miles, Gatlin, three miles, Gatlin, two miles. You would think these kids, if they don't want any anybody or any adults coming to the town, they would have gotten rid of the signs and not just confuse people to stumble into their child murderer's town. Well, they needed blood sacrifices. So they both don't want people to go there, but they also need them to go in there. Um, but I think that that's, that's because of the um, suggestion from, from our, our friend here, the, the mechanic. I, I thought the scene with the mechanic was interesting. I, he did his best. He was like, just get, go on, get. And um, I, the, the part that I, I picked up on this one was that it, they killed the dog again. They killed the dog in maximum overdrive and they killed the dog in this one. So Stephen King has something against dogs and kids. I'm, I'm feeling it. I don't know, man. That, part, just, that upset me a lot. Seeing mm-hmm. just the bandana and just, Oh, Sarge. Yeah. Sarge. I just think Stephen King hates animals and children. And it's it's not and Kern and Kern and Kern. <laughs> Shout out to uh, does the dog die dot com. Any Stephen King film? Let me let, we'll just spoiler alert for you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fantastic. They when I was watching that part with the guy, so the guy goes and um, the mechanic. He ends up being killed by Malachi and the other kids uh, because they it, they eventually say, we don't need him anymore. But <clears throat> I remember watching that and I'm like, all right, first off, dude, you are in the country. Where's your gun? I know you have one. Second off, you know that they're, they are trying to kill you. 
So why are you walking into the barn, one versus however many there are, instead of letting them, you know, kind of like sift out the one door that's right in front of you and then taking them on like that? Like, it, it didn't make any sense to me why he was just like so dumb about the whole thing. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I did want to see like a 1v8 battle with him and all the kids, though. I was so into that. They just they didn't know. They just cut away from it. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so many opportunities for a sickle to the forehead that were missed. Mm-hmm. But that's OK. It feels very. Um, it feels like that's very. I, I don't know what the word is, but um, it feels like that's something that they really did back in like the 80s, 70s kind of horror movies, like they left you to assume what happened to things instead of like taking the time to show it and stuff. So I think that's what they were doing here. But yeah, I think that uh, there was a common theme, especially with lower budget movies. It's the deaths off screen because it's always kind of spookier and scarier. The death you don't see than the one you see because you could imagine what actually happened to him. And I imagine Malachi just fucking him up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think oh, we, yeah. we skimmed over uh isaac he, he was he was kind of brought up i think at least when the uh, somewhere around now i think he is yep he's the he's the next talking point oh. because at this point um the uh joseph or i'm sorry job and sarah are caught by malachi malachi's everywhere man that dude is the muscle and uh, that guy's money he's a, he's a good first mate yeah that guy, that guy kind of runs things. Uh, but yes, we're getting to Isaac. Isaac, who is the spiritual center of this this town of murderous corn children. Um, and this is the point that we really get to kind of see in Isaac's world. Isaac is introduced in the beginning of the film uh, before the well-executed militaristic attack on all the adults. Um, but he, this was, is- he was standing outside that diner in that sweet Amish hat. Mm-hmm. Sweet ass Amish hat. Now I want to get a consensus from everybody. Was Isaac twelve or thirty-five? Because uh, he looks he okay. looks equally twelve and thirty-five so, at the same time. So so, so there's actually yeah, there's a reason for that. Um so he was twenty-four or twenty-five at the time of filming this. However, uh he has a growth the actor has a growth hormone deficiency so um that i think that that plays into it like if you look up pictures of john franklin now he still looks pretty similar to how he looked in the movie and he's only like five feet tall yeah so the the dude when i was watching this i was like damn what happened to this kid i was like he's really good like he's a really good actor for a kid and i was like oh because he was like 23 all right so he's not just like a 12 year old all right yeah it's always a toss-up with kids acting in any movie, but especially horror movies. And this this kid is just, he's above all expectations. But I mean, yeah, and clearly because he was not a kid at all. <laughs> also, shout out to John Franklin, if you ever hear this. Uh, I, I would love to talk to you. John Franklin was a teacher up until 2015, 2016. Uh, and then he went back into acting and yeah. writing. So, Dude's a legend. He's, he's pretty cool. I would like to speak to the superintendent of that of that school system that let that man <laughs> teach groups of children. He, he was teaching acting. He was he was teaching English at a high school. 
which is I will awesome. now teach you all how to say kern. Kern. <laughs> Repeat after me. Kern. Kern. <laughs> well, true to, true to character, um, we get to see Isaac's uh, sort of what the town is post Isaac, you know, post event. Um, and, and I got to say, it's like goth corn chic. Um, <laughs> and it, I, I don't know. His his decor choices, uh, a lot of like a lot of corn husk dolls and kind of Blair Witchy. Mm-hmm. Like I said, corn husk chic. I like that. <laughs> corn husk chic. Yeah. So I thought and, you said. And, I thought I heard you say goth corn chic. I was like, mm, I yeah. Did. I said, That's okay, not, okay, good. Yeah, I agree with that. Goth, goth corn chic. Yeah, I agree. We. I think we. Uh, eventually, we're gonna have to make T-shirts. Goth corn chic. It's definitely <laughs> up there. So, and now that we've killed the old man, we see the first sermon of Isaac, um, where he is speaking about the interlopers approaching the town, and he's sort of mustering up the posse, and he's essentially setting the children after our heroes, Bert and Vicky. So, um, kind of like militarized teenage zealots. And I, I was thinking to myself, as I was writing that note, I was like, teenage killer, religious corn boys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, it, seemed, it seemed appropriate. Um, so after um, now we talked about how they they were kind of lost. Um, they, they were getting turned around quite a bit. Um, uh, Vicky and Bert finally get into Gatlin, and uh, pretty immediately Bert pulls a Fred from Scooby Doo, and he basically splits up the gang. Now he he does this uh, after talking with Sarah. They find Sarah. So we can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, they they pop into these kids uh, <laughs> upstairs of that, that house. Um, and this was, is this when Malachi finds them? Is that correct? Or are we talking about when the uh, when Bert and uh, Vicky, I want to say Bert and Ernie, when Bert and Vicky uh, swing upstairs. Bert, what do you mean, Bert? <laughs> I'm so this, happy this is that. Malachi. Okay. <laughs> uh so yeah when they when um when they they see the kids they're playing monopoly and listening to, to rock music is that correct having a good and, time man oh yeah do. that's the devil's music yeah i i loved it i was like man monopoly really does like transcend time doesn't it i'm always down for a game of monopoly i do have a note on that with that monopoly scene because just the uh you know regular game of monopoly oh there's a giant knife in the table yeah, still just a regular game of Monopoly. <laughs> I, didn't I mean, that. what game of Monopoly has never not ended with a giant knife in the table? None, not many. Yeah, uh, it's the the game that either uh, sets you apart as friends or ends it, and um, it's a really close line. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> a, a game of Monopoly only ends when somebody flips the table, <laughs> or stabs a knife into the board game, hmm? or a corn. Or, or or a stickle, yeah, absolutely. Or some kern. Or some kern. I I hate to be the one to not make a joke at this part, but uh, I want to bring up the the piss poor acting from these kids. Uh, mm. I I did not like their acting at all, <laughs> and I know that they're kids, but like, what? It's still a movie. Like, you still have to work to get the best actors that you can, and like these kids just didn't sell their role. Like they had one expression the whole time and it was like kind of excited about everything. Like they're like, Isaac's evil. I hate him. 
Yeah, they were, <laughs> like, at least they were consistently bad. They they did keep on saying the same thing. I don't like Isaac. Okay, and why why don't you like Isaac? Because I don't like him. He killed my whole family. That's not something a good person does. <laughs> yeah, that that little boy like had no emotion about his dad being dead. He was just like, yeah, well, he took my toy earlier, so I don't care. And he also <laughs> took my father, but whatever. I still want my boy back. Was that he was drinking a milkshake when it happened. I mean, how bad could it have been? That's fair. He did finish it, I think. He did finish it. <laughs> Blood spider and all. Awesome. So moving forward, uh, so Burt pulls that Scooby-Doo, right? He essentially splits up. Um, he's tired of talking to these kids. He wants to find he wants to find help. He wants to find some sort of uh, law enforcement or something. So Bert kind of wanders into town, leaving Vicky and the children together, um, which sort of sets Malachi and the children's trap. Um, they immediately run into the house. They take Vicky. Um, and I, I don't remember what kind of set Bert off as like you know kind of a like oh no I, I left her behind what what was it that kind of was like oh no i need to get back he had like a flashback he was looking at a painting it was like a, a painting of a dragon spewing its stuff on a blonde haired person and he was just like huh oh yes Vicky. and he just turns around and that's it uh, okay and he oh, kind God, of had this like, dragon is setting a woman on fire that reminds me vicky's with some kids my loins <laughs> This, That's what it was. This part that we're talking about right now leads into my favorite part of the entire movie, which is when he's running back because he didn't take the car, which is understandable. I'm not making fun of that part. Um, he's running back to the house. And as he runs up, he sees his car. And do you know what's in that car? Curve. <laughs> and I audibly screamed and laughed and said, you got corn, son. <laughs> I, I wrote the same thing down. I was like, man, the car just got corned again. <laughs> Damn it. My Buick LeSabre. <laughs> I mean, that seemed like a common, like the goth corn chic around the town. Like somebody had to go around that town and put corn in all these places. Hmm? Barry, you're up again. Get the corn. <laughs> I, Son of a bitch. It's my day off. I do. He, Bert, I'm going to go down a little rabbit hole here. I think Bert is probably one of the most understanding people and like most laid back people because he walked through that whole town and he saw all this corn stuff and not once did he go, this is very bad. He was like, huh, I guess this is Nebraska. And he just kept walking like he just walked into the co uh, post office. He was like, huh, weird that nobody's here. Not that the corn was strewn about everywhere, but just he was like, OK, I'll let them be. This is their thing. All right. And then his car got corned and he was like, all right, this is not cool. Not, not my list. He had a really, a really good bedside manner about it the whole way through. Like oh. nothing shocked him. You know, he kept it. He kept it very, very professional. Yeah. Good point. It's because it's because he's a doctor. Uh, so professional, even that this is actually the point where he gets stabbed, if memory serves. Um, and this is the part where he's running around uh, displaying some pretty impressive cardio post stab wound. I got to uh -huh. say was very uh, confused. What, what was that? I was very confused about that. Like, it looks like he got stabbed in the lung and he's just like, 
nah, I got three. I don't need that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he definitely one he, fantastic runner. The actor who run, who played him like sprinted very well. Dude was going quick and then yeah, getting stabbed in the chest and then running away. That was impressive. Pretty impressive. All the while, Sarah Connor, a.k.a. Vicky, um, is being strung up on the corn suffix, as I like to call it, um, uh, adjacent to the the blue man, um, a.k.a. the the police officer who they strung up three years prior, who is now the rotting corpse. Um, and now we start to see kind of the ceremony unfold. Yeah, it, I, I thought it was like an OK scene. I don't know. I, they they string her up, like you said. It it is weird seeing like Linda Hamilton, aka uh, Miss Connor here, um, doing being the the victim. Um, and she just kind of hung up there, and she was just like in a haze the whole time. I was like, all right, it's like plausible deniability that she was like knocked out, and she's still kind of whatever. But it it was. I think we got development from Isaac and the whole religion at this point. I. I, I do want to say I want to be that guy and say that um, I hated that she was really just kind of like a plot device. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's that's what she was like. They used Sarah Connor uh, as as the plot device, as the motivation for the man. Um, my wife, my wife and I were watching this together and she listens to another podcast. Uh, shout out to him called the Bechtel cast and the Bechtel cast does i'll make this really quick they do a test uh to see if like a movie can uh hold its own of like a woman having any conversation that doesn't have to do with a man and she's like do you think that this even passes that and i was like i don't think so Mm, so like yeah it's it, it was just very upsetting to see like that that's all that she was really used for was just a plot device for them all fair agreed agreed um so around this point we see that malachi uh sort of sort of out of left field is kind of like rallying a coup against isaac um i guess he didn't agree with his uh uh you know with his temperament and his ways of of dealing with interlopers anymore and malachi historically as we've seen has always kind of been more of the muscle um what was that was did that seem like out of left field though for anyone else yep yeah I don't think they introduced it as well as they could have, but it seemed like uh, Malachi was just, he had a bloodlust and he just wanted to kill whoever. But Isaac was more of a, this is what I'm preaching. This is what the the voice speaks to me. And this is how we're going to do it. Malachi was like, I'm, I want to kill him. I want to kill her. I want to kill everybody. <laughs> and that seems like it, it may have been building between the two of them for a while. And it was just finally coming to a head. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised nobody else has mentioned it at this point. He he is. Um, he has our. Oh, wait. No, does it happen yet? Oh, I'll, I'll keep it going. Never mind. I'll hold this thought. Keep going, George. All right. Hold off. Um, at this point, uh, Bert is led by Sarah and Job. And we they kind of head to the clearing where they know that the ceremony is being held. They, of course, are staying out of it because they do not believe in the belief system uh led by isaac uh and so this is where bert is starting to formulate his plan and uh how to get vicky back um so at this point also isaac has been strung up um after a successful coup 
by Malachi. Um, and this is where there's always been the supernatural element throughout the movie where it's clear that there is something more going on. This isn't just about, you know, religious zealotism. Um, there's clearly something more happening and it's often referred to, I'm sorry that we're just now uh, talking about it. He who walks behind the rose. Um, anyone care to comment on he who walks behind the rose? Cause at this point we start to kind of, we start to kind of see this character developing. Yeah. I, I thought it was a bunch of crap for a while there i was like okay this is this is just people just trying to um murder like little kids i guess but they did say it's like when isaac showed up and then like when isaac did this and he brought he who hides behind the rose and i was like it is stephen king so i expect something to be a little bit more uh supernatural going on here and um yeah i guess it's it's a thing i i wasn't i wasn't really a fan of the whole supernatural aspect of it i I didn't pay any attention to it. Uh, and then after I saw it eventually show itself, uh, I had Kyle's thought, which is, uh, this is shit. <laughs> yeah, it, it just, it, it was, a, it took me out of it. Yeah. Cause, cause you had this whole, like, I don't know. You, you had this whole like child uprising murder thing going. I was like, okay, maybe plot. That's more plausible than uh corn demon. Um, and then corn demon happened and i was like okay i think it makes for a better movie if there is no corn demon mm -hmm. because it just shows you the themes of the uh, like cult mentality and religion gone wild and once they reveal like there is an actual corn demon it, it kind of takes away from the tension that the movie's built because the first time i saw this movie i'm like there's probably just not anything in the corn and these kids just blindly followed this kid who came in Isaac and started preaching to him, but that's just not how it went. And I wish there was no corn demon because besides the fact that it looked awful and it was yeah. very disappointing, but there should have been no corn demon. That yeah. kind of reminds me of essentially like how, we didn't like the supernatural aspect of a tale of two sisters mm, like fair. that kind of like ruined that yep. as well yeah and, and also going back to stephen king was the the maximum overdrive film uh besides it being kind of just maybe aliens um i i kind of joked and said that maybe stephen king is uh trying to say something about like carbon emissions or something like that and i was like okay it's a little too early maybe he's trying to talk about the farm bill guys maybe he's trying to talk some real politics here you know he's saying the corn demon am i stretching is that too far? i i i think he was trying to say that i think you're onto something like all these all these corn subsidies are the demon and the government's been giving the corn subsidies for years and now there's corn syrup and everything and there's corn and corn and corn preach now who do i murder where's where's my family at you start with the two people that are at the head of all of this orville and redenbacher those fuckers oh god i did not know that orville and redenbacher were the ceos of skynet because now it's all making sense it all adds up it all adds up Full circle. Welcome Full to the circle. universe. I think that's when you know you've gone off the deep end because if you're watching, for the most part, 
all Stephen King's movies and you find yourself saying, it all adds up, it all makes sense, that's when you know you've gone <laughs> off the deep end. Fair, fair. Going back, going back for a second, another kind of indicative quality of Stephen King movies is, uh, you know, and, and this this is neither to say anything good nor bad, but there's always kind of a touch of there's at least one bad CGI moment. Um, mm. You know, uh, historically, you know, like with Stephen King's It, Stephen King's It is, you know, the original is phenomenal. Um, but then we get to the giant spider at the end or in uh, uh, the oh, um, the other religious one. What am I thinking? Oh, is it the fog? No, it's not a religious one. I can't remember. Uh, but the, the one where the giant hand of God appears and, and detonates the nuke. Are you are you messing around here? Are you having a fever dream? <laughs> I, I think it's clearly stand by me. <laughs> and uh, it's you know, what? actually, thank you, Dan. It's the stand. Come That's on. what I meant. The stand that's, that's <laughs> by me. Uh, but that, but uh, g- going back to you know there, there's always that moment of bad CGI somewhere. Uh, this is definitely that part in that movie. Um, so Isaac is on the corn suffix, and he who walks behind the rose is sort of kind of appears as this dark cloud rolling in, um, but suddenly kind of sort of goes subterranean um, and climbs, you know, comes above and climbs up the the corn suffix as just this weird scratchy red beam of light um it's kind of like the visual equivalent of like an 80s synthesizer so i i thought it was appropriate to the times uh that that is uh appropriate especially because uh that that was mo- a lot of the music in here too I, I loved it the synthesizer was pretty prominent yes we did did we defeat the demon yet can we defeat him Let's move forward. Let's move forward. There's there's some bitch slapping between Malachi and Bert. Uh, Vicky is saved. Malachi is, or I'm sorry, Isaac is eaten by the monster. He returns in zombie Isaac form and screams, Malachi, he wants you to. And then all hell breaks loose. And now the kids aren't so much on the corn demon side. He who walks behind the rose is no longer the, the good guy. Um, so they work together. They use the gasoline supply that they have to... Uh, go into the irrigation system within the cornfields and they set it on fire and the monster's dead. They return to the car. Um, a kid tries to kill him again. Roll credits. Okay. So I, I'm going to unpack a little bit of there because that the ending was my favorite. That's the, the best part about the movie was the ending. So I they, agree. The ending was my favorite part too. So they killed the Sorry. corn with corn because that was definitely like biofuel. Um, which was fantastic. Uh, yeah. The, the bitch slapping scene that you mentioned, I, it's just perfect. It's just front and backhand. <laughs> Malachi defeated by like a, a lazy limp arm is pretty much what that was. And I loved it. Yeah. Malachi <laughs> could not fight. No, he was the worst. He was all mouth. <laughs> I'm he didn't fight him. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we we have a couple scenes of like really weird dialogue where they're running and like the kid Job says something and Sarah Connor goes, where'd you get this guy? And I was like, what scene is this? It's so weird. <laughs> uh, 
And then my favorite line of the whole movie is when he tries to get, he gets quote unquote uh, attacked again by the girl in the backseat of his, his corn, his current car. And uh, he hits her with the, the car door, knocks her out. She gets thrown to the other side of the car and his reaction is, Oh man, come on. All right. She's passed out. She's out cold. What do we do? And Sarah Connor goes, send her a get well card from Seattle. Let's go. <laughs> she, she's just done with it. It was so, but they didn't even exchange in for information. So how did she know where to send it? Uh, uh, it was, for, for me, it was just a very awkward and sudden ending. Because it was just like you said, he the girl jumps on he on him when he opens the door. It's like a jump scare, tries to get you scared. He slams the door on her, gives her a concussion. He gives his little, oh, yeah, I'll send him a a postcard from Seattle, and then silence credits. Yep. So it was just a very awkward ending, and it could have been done a lot better. Absolutely, completely agree. Um, yeah. Uh, Jarvis, that was good. I think you covered pretty much everything, except for one important factor. I think change all, people. Uh, change. Uh, I want to talk about Outlanders. So uh, that was yeah. probably my favorite line in the whole movie. <laughs> and for the past three days since I've seen this movie, I've been going around my house, just looking around, going, ah! "Oh, ah! He's so- <laughs> <laughs> an Outlander." Uh, that's just, been the last three days at my house. We got the last one. Um, the first one that you uh, screamed out, you you cut the, the gate on your microphone because <laughs> we couldn't hear a single word you said. You were too loud. <laughs> I would just say how the last three days I've been just going just around my out. house yeah. screaming, Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> we have your woman, Outlander! <laughs> It's a good scene. As soon as we said that we were watching Children of the Corn, I immediately just started saying Outlander for the next like couple days after to the point where it I think it drove my wife insane. You guys were talking about it like it was going to happen a lot. And it happened like once at the beginning of the film. And I was like, all right. And then there's just 30, 20 seconds of uh, Malachi screaming it nonstop. And I'm like, OK, I get it. It's <laughs> a good joke. Um. Yeah, I've seen it. The South Park episode, uh, the Wacky Molestation Adventure, which is a spoof of this movie. It's a pretty dead on parody of this movie. And when Cartman is going around screaming Outlander, it's just as good. I'll have to check that out. That's good. Um, Yeah. So, uh, Jarvis, thank you for the plot. Uh, I want to, uh, I guess, just quickly go into. I guess we'll go into cinematics. Uh, so I I liked it. I, I think all the shots were well framed. Um, I don't think it was anything too crazy. I did. I did like how they um, they they hit the town. They kind of give you a good feel for the town through their um, through some of the, the cinematography here. Like you got some really nice old brick buildings and you could tell it was a really small like one one light town. Um, if if a light, maybe just a couple stop signs, but it it was cool. Like I think they did a good job at kind of framing the town and really giving you a feel for just how small it really is, um, and how kind of wild it was that everybody died. Um, I, I want to give us the budget so we have that frame of reference real quick. Um, so the budget at the time in 1984 was 
800,000, which is approximately 2 million. Um, and man, they killed it at the box office. Uh, they made 14.6 million Thank off you. of this movie. So it's pretty, it's pretty obvious, right? Why they made so many sequels after this. Uh, how how many ears of corn can you buy for eight hundred thousand dollars? Oh well, that's actually that's actually one of the fun facts. Uh, Seven hundred thousand of this was spent on ears of corn. So, are you kidding me? No, I'm totally joking. Oh my okay. god, that'd be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's those corn subsidies, man. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm gonna just agree with Kyle. I, I think the movie was shot very well. I think it's um I think it's a product of its time in the way that they shot it uh we've discussed uh the way that some movies are like cased and the way that they're shot and the effects that they use the um camera angles that they use i I think that this very much is a product of that of the 80s um and i i i think it was done very well i don't really have any negatives to say about it this was the director fritz kirsch his first movie that he ever directed and i think he did a fantastic job agreed absolutely sound of music love the synthesizer man that's really my that was my only uh it it built suspense well um the music throughout but i i just loved being in the 80s with that synthesizer yeah dude i told you my one of my notes was literally uh ooh, the 80s synthes here and i enjoyed it the sound was like the rest of the sound was like okay it's fine nothing seemed like too out of place was there any funny noises I feel like they used a funny noise somewhere, like a can noise when they were fighting or something. I didn't notice it if if they did. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you though. I think the sound effects I didn't really notice uh too much, which is fine. Like you shouldn't really notice it. It should be a natural thing, natural blend in with the movie. Uh, but these scores were great. Like you and Jarvis said, the synthesizer was fantastic. I thought it was very simple what they did with it. Uh, and even just having the kids kind of singing in a choir voice in the background, it it immediately tells you the story, right? We're going to have creepy kids uh, in this horror movie, and that's going to be our focal point. Like, it immediately tells you the story right there. So that, that was great. Yep. We're all good there. I'm going to move on to special effects. Um, I think we kind of said it with the, the spooky monster. There weren't a ton of special effects in this. It was all pretty um, pretty plain, practical, just driving uh running a couple stabs here and there actually the stabbings the stabbings were good i think i i like the stabbings um but those was good guys, gore yes good gore bad corn demon corn demon was just like bad. a bunch of pixels yeah i think that the corn demon was the weakest part of this whole movie yeah absolutely um, without the without the pixelated bumblebee joke that happened um i think the movie would have been better i i would have like personally would have rated it as a better movie than i did after seeing that that was actually a thing in the movie um it's very disappointing in that but yeah overall i agree with you guys though it was good other than that i mean to give a positive note i would say i did like the effect of the corn demon like underground going Mm. through the rows that was a cool effect i did like that yeah that's that's fair um yeah kind of that kind of that non-visual element that they kept with he who walks behind the rose pretty consistently throughout the movie right up until the end man it totally worked you could tell there was a supernatural element um it was alluded to um it was you know kind of clearly seen with uh you know sarah having the gift of sight and being able to draw the future 
Um, you know, th th there was something more to it. But the, the fact that we didn't see it kind of added to it, um, having seen what they what they did visually with it. Uh, definitely one of the sour notes of the overall film. Yeah. Um, if anybody has no, uh, anything left on that. Uh, I, 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 um, I forgot to throw this in earlier when you were going over cinema. Uh, I, I wanted to throw out the names of the movies that came out in the same year. Oh, yeah. um, so competing horror movies, we had a... Uh, actually, do, does anyone want to take a guess at what 1984 famous horror movie came out? Was it one of the big daddies? Was it like? Oh, a, yeah. Like, oh, oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, is it Freddy? Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street? Uh-huh. You got it. Nightmare Damn. on Elm Street. First one. Um, Silent Night, Deadly Night. That's another big cult classic. Gremlins came out in 1984. <laughs> I love Gremlins. It's one. But I, what I like better than Gremlins is Gremlins 2. Uh, far, by far better movie. You have Frank Sinatra gremlin singing New York, New York. How can you not? Uh, <laughs> you also have the Toxic Avenger, Ghostbusters, and as we mentioned earlier, Terminator. So I I thought that that was interesting just because, um, you know, this is a cult classic. And a lot of the movies that came out are also cult classics, like Silent Night, Deadly Night. That's a cult classic. I would consider Gremlins to be a cult classic, Ghostbusters. Mm. Uh, Terminator is, is just a franchise on itself. Nightmare on Elm Street, that's a classic. So I, I think it's interesting that all these movies came out in the same year. It's just an interesting coincidence, if it even is a coincidence. I don't know. But. Corn subsidies. Um, <laughs> uh, so I think our next section is a, a spoopy meter. What is our rating scale on spoopiness this week, Mr. Dan? Okay. All right. So... Um, I'm a teacher, so I'm going to teach you guys something. So, a uh, little science lesson today. So, on an ear of corn, there are, on average, between 500 and 1,200 kernels. Okay, so um, we could take the average of that, and uh, we can average out to about 800 kernels per ear of corn. So, guys, on a scale of 0 to 800, how many kernels would you give this? <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh Spoopy wise, yeah. Uh, I would say about a solid 100 to 200 kernels for the first three quarters of the movie, but then once you get down to the end of the movie, it drops back down to about 17 kernels. Once you see the uh current demon, that's a very fair assessment. I'm kind of thinking the same thing, yeah. I'd, I'd say that the first first 100 and i'll say first 100 kernels are um just i think just because i don't want my hand caught in a meat slicer i think that was probably uh, the first 100 kernels and then i think that was it i don't think there was any suspense for me i mean they, they built suspense in small ways and and like spoop if you will but it just wasn't it didn't hit me i didn't feel weird so so 100, 100 i kernels. I won't deviate too much. I, I I love the symbolism with the corn. I'm imagining just kind of like an empty jar in front of me. And so like the first hundred kernels uh, that I put in, yeah, it's for that initial attack scene, you know, the hands uh, in the meat and the meat slicer. And, um, and, you know, I could, I could add 50 here and 50 there for, you know, suspense and, and some jump scares. But once you see the he who walks behind the rose, the visual synthesizer, you just pour the jar out. So I'll say, I'll say like 
50, 50 kernels were left over. Mm. <laughs> now, I, I'm, I would also say this movie is like eating a bag of popcorn. You, you Popcorn comes out of the microwave. It's nice and hot, salty, buttery. You're eating it, you're eating it, then you get down to the bottom and you're left with unpopped corn. It's just a big disappointment. And that's how this movie ended. And just a big disappointment of unpopped popcorn. Wow. That was that was a very good uh that was a very good simile that you got right there. That was beautiful. That was poetic. That was poetic. Um I'm I'm going to uh go ahead and say so at the meat at the meat cleaver part or whatever it was, the grinder, uh I probably put in like four hundred kernels. Uh but by the end I realized that I had to make my own cornfield and the movie started to bore me. So I started to work on it. So I took out about 300 of those kernels and I was left with about 100 like you guys. So I'm going to give it that. I, and I'm not going to say anything else because uh, Mike had the best simile that I'm ever yeah, going to hear about seriously. this movie. <laughs> no doubt. Yep. Um, and I think, I think that wraps us up. Um, I think we generally, we all felt like it was a decent movie and, you should watch it, but don't go into it expecting a ton. Yeah, that's fair. Yep, I agree. I liked it. Just don't go into it expecting a ton. Yep. Um, yeah, uh, with that, I think that pretty much wraps us up. Uh, I do think that our next film that we're doing is The Thing. Um, so, I think... so what are we watching? <laughs> uh, the, that thing over there. Okay, the thing, the thing. But yeah, what's the, yeah, yeah. what's the movie called? Uh, who's on first? I was gonna. That was my next thing gonna be. How long? Is it <laughs> go on who's on first? Uh, yeah. So I, it's gonna be the thing. We're trying to keep to a better schedule. Um, and if you guys have uh any any suggestions or whatever, you know, we're now everywhere. We're on iTunes, Spotify. Uh, make sure you leave us a rating. Follow us over. Uh, catch us on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I want to do a little shout out to our artwork, uh, which exists, um, and our music. Um, uh, Chris, how do we say uh, his name? Oh, Connor? it's uh, Connor uh, McLeod. Mac Cloud. Mac Cloud. Uh, yeah, okay. So Connor <laughs> McLeod, uh, he, he did our artwork, fantastic work, um, and he dealt with all of our questions. And then uh, we had uh, Andrew Cavanaugh did our uh, intro and outro a uh, good good friend of ours so uh with that i guess we'll see everybody at a later time chris you got something to tell everybody thanks for stopping by and having a horrible time